all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. And I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Joining me today by Skype, I have not one but two amazing dermatologists from UMMC. I have Dr. Robert Brodell and Dr. Jordy Ivey. And we're going to be focusing in on skin cancer today and skin cancer prevention, uh, diagnosis, early detection, and treatment. So we're happy to take your calls about that, as well as general dermatology questions. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can send us an email, fit at mpbonline.org, or you can go over to my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie, and interact with us that way. Good morning, guys. Hey, Josie. Glad to be here. Hey. This is Bob Rodell. Yeah. And uh, I'm here with Jordy. Hi, Josie. Nice to virtually meet you, per se. Yes, nice to be with you today. (laughs) Thank you all for joining us. I know technology uh, is a little difficult, but we've worked through it and we're on the air now. And so if you would, guys, just take a a minute or two and kind of tell our listeners about what you do at UMC. Dr. Brodell, we'll start with you. Yes, uh, I'm the chairman of the Department of Dermatology, and I have some administrative work to do, but I also see patients four days a week. And I do skin pathology. So when you have a biopsy, I'm one of the doctors that reads that pathology and puts out a report. Fantastic. And Dr. Ivy, tell me a little bit about what what your role is at UMC. So I'm in um, the dermatology residency program. So when I graduate residency at the end of four years, then I'll take my board exam to be a board certified dermatologist. So basically these four years, um, we're learning everything that we can about dermatology. We're seeing patients um, probably 80% of the time. Um, We also do a lot of learning like um, what Dr. Bradell does. We learn how to look at slides under the microscope. Um, We learn how to do procedures. Um, So a lot of learning, but also a lot of seeing patients. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people see dermatologists as the people who do acne or uh, a rash, but there's much more to dermatology than that. And so I know you guys uh, spend a lot of time learning all there is to know about uh, diagnosis and management of multiple types of skin complaints. And so we're going to get into some of those today. And I know we want to focus in on, on skin cancer um, as well. And this is perfect timing because last week's show, we had several 
callers and questions that came in about sunburns and protecting the skin and those kinds of things. So, so people are kind of hungry for this information right now. But I do think we have a caller on the line. So we will go to down to Biloxi and talk with Craig this morning. Hello, Craig. Hello. Good morning. Uh, I was wondering, wondering about masks and surgery and mm-hmm. the purpose of a mask in surgery and if the doctors have uh, problems with them. And, and I have comments after this answer. Okay. Uh, so yeah, was, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if, I, if they're, if they're like 100% uh, exhaust, the, the air you breathe out, if it's 100% filtered. Gotcha. So there's lots of different types of masks. Um, And right now, you know, there's even a kind of a third type that we're hearing more about, which are just the cloth masks that we're asking the the general public to wear. In the hospital setting, there's usually um, a surgical mask or or a procedure mask. Um, That's the one that You've probably seen what most often if you've watched, you know, a television show that that features healthcare providers, or you know, if you've been in the hospital yourself and, and maybe you've seen your surgeon, those kinds of things. And then there's the N95 mask that looks different, fits different, and filters different. And so, uh, all of the masks have different filtering capabilities, and so therefore they're used in different ways, depending on if we're trying to serve kind of as a physical barrier between one person or another, if we're trying to filter, um, you know, different sized pathogens through. So the N95, go ahead. Yeah, I think that whether caller is sort of going with this is that when, when we teach residents to take certifying examinations, the answer is never 100%. Right, right. So when, you know, you're sort of hinting at the fact that when surgeons are in the operating room and wearing, say, an N95 mask, and they're trying to be as careful as they can be to not get any infection in a patient's open wound, that doesn't make it 100%, but it's pretty darn good. Yeah. And uh, in life, you do what you can do. And beyond what you can do, there, you know, that's all you can do. So yeah. you can imagine the surgeon couldn't be wrapped up like David in a bubble or an astronaut trying to be totally impervious to any opportunity to somehow get infection to the patient. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all right, that, Craig, yeah, did you yeah, have another yeah. comment? Or Dr. Yeah. Ivy, did you have something to add? Yes, it, I had I had some more uh, comments here. Okay. Uh, it, it, I know I got uh, the flu one time on a on a job because I occup- I went into a space occupied by someone who had the flu and I didn't know it, so mm-hmm. he was already gone. But he I know or he was leaving, so I got the flu from there. So that that is something that that the COVID would probably do, and it just, it just had on the news about the uh the particles being suspended in the air so i'm i'm wary of any breeze that comes my way and if someone's upwind and going into a space vacated by someone and another thing is uh i also wear a mask that fits real well and it's designed to filter air coming in that i breathe Mm -hmm. but not going out it has a little valve in the front so so it 
it, it, the air I breathe out is not filtered. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's got a, a one-way valve on it there. Yeah. 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 So, yep. you know, the, the take-home message is, you know, we've got to do the very best that we can with the information that we have currently. You know, science is something that evolves and we have to go with what, you know, what we know currently. And so currently, if you're outside of your home, um, you know, in the public, especially if you are going to be in close contact with folks, you need to have your mask on. If you're in your very own car by yourself, you don't need to have your mask on. Um, but the, and the second point of that is um, maintaining that distance between people and then washing your hands really, really well in case you touched anything um, that might have had some of those respiratory droplets laid on it there. Yeah. So. I certainly agree with that, Josie. The, the thing is, is that the sun also, UV radiation tends to kill these viruses. So that if you're six feet away from someone else and you're outside, the risk of you getting it from someone else is significantly less than if you're in a closed room and very close to somebody else. Just the little bit of spit that comes out of your mouth when you're talking may be part of one of the ways that we spread COVID-19. So um, I don't think we should be paralyzed. I think it's time to be at work and doing the things we can do, but doing all of the things that Josie just said, where we're trying to be uh, not uh, decreasing the risk of spread in a logical way. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that call, Craig. And if you guys are listening and have a question or a comment for us, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring all right, guys, let's kind of jump into skin cancer and skin cancer um, early detection and prevention. Tell me why that is so important. Well, it turns out that every day at work, we see skin cancer in a general dermatology clinic. And I often say that if our patients spent one day with us and saw what we see every day, they would wear a broad rim hat, wear a long sleeve reflective shirt, wear their sunscreen, sit under the umbrella, because an ounce of prevention is certainly worth a pound of cure. So um, we have enough business. And if everyone (laughs) out there would uh, take care of themselves a little better, uh, we have, it's like the dentist with fluoride in the water. They have plenty of business They don't need any extra business uh, from people not uh, taking care of themselves. Absolutely. And so let's talk a little bit about the different types of skin cancer, because there's there's more than than one. We kind of use skin cancer as an umbrella term, but there's different Mm -hmm. types, correct? Yes. So there's three main types of skin cancer that we see. The most common type of skin cancer is called basal cell carcinoma. Um, this type of skin cancer does not have the potential to metastasize or go, you know, spread seeds throughout your body. If left untreated, it will just grow um, and can disfigure the area and the underlying structures. Um, So we do still like to treat these um, skin cancers and um, make sure that we get rid of all of it. Um, The second most common type of skin cancer is called squamous cell carcinoma. Um, This is 
similar to basal cell in that it, it can metastasize. It's still a very, very low risk. Um, typically, if left untreated, it will just grow um, and it can disfigure the area and underlying structures. So again, we do treat those. Um, the kind of skin cancer that I feel like most of people have heard about is melanoma, which is much more rare, but is um, much more deadly and scary. Um, and so, you know, people are rightfully scared of it and know about it. Um, and those are the, the dark spots that look abnormal and can have irregular borders or just grow really rapidly or have lots of different colors in them. Um, and those do have a pretty high potential if, you know, left untreated to metastasize or send seeds, you know, to other places in your body and can um, have a pretty high um morbidity and mortality rate where you can, you know, have other complications and even die from that type of skin cancer. Even young people, 25, 35 years old with melanoma, if it's not caught early before it grows deep and once it's spread, it is very difficult to treat. We have drugs that cost between $250,000 and a million dollars a year brand new targeted therapies that can work, but a significant percentage of patients, even with these new approaches, die of their malignant melanoma if it's spread before we cut it out. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at UMMC. And joining me today also from UMMC are Dr. Robert Brodell and Dr. Jordy Ivey, both from dermatology. And we've been uh, answering questions about skin cancer, as well as general dermatology questions, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 All right, before the break, um, we you gave us a great kind of overview of the three types of skin cancer, um, and Dr. Brodell has given us kind of an overview of some of the prevention techniques. But I want to drill down into some of those that you you mentioned, Dr. Brodell. You talked about a wide brim hat and an umbrella and a reflective, long sleeve reflective shirt. Tell me about, especially about the shirt, what does a reflective shirt mean? Well, there are many um, stores that sell outdoor gear that will have a UV protection number 
on the clothing, just like sunscreen has a UV protection number. So if the number is 30 on your sunscreen or on the clothing, that means you could be out 30 times longer for the same amount of sunburn or the same amount of UV damage that would cause skin cancer. So we don't like to tell people to lock themselves in a closet. We know that's not gonna happen. So we wanna do things that allow people to get out and do the hobbies and the work that they need to do. Excellent. And so the wide brim hat, tell me the purpose of the wide brim hat. And I think I know, but I want to make sure that well, I know. Sure enough. Well, you know, a lot of people wear baseball caps and that mm-hmm. has a little beak out in the front that gives you a little protection uh, on your forehead and a little bit to your nose. But studies have been done that show the amount of sun that gets to your ears is actually the same as if you weren't wearing a hat. And the amount that gets to your nose is about 60% of the UV radiation. The amount that gets to your forehead may be only 5%. So you get a lot of protection in certain areas, but a broad rim hat, that's going to give you protection in more areas. Yeah, and I think that is so important. I told a story last week, actually, about a terrible sunburn that I got on my ear at a golf tournament. Uh, because I just had on a, a baseball cap, I didn't have on a wide brim hat, and it it was it was quite significant. My ear, bless it, was stuck to the pillow the next morning when I woke up. It was quite a bad yeah, sunburn. Absolutely, and you know it can sneak up on you because maybe it was a cloudy or overcast day, but if you're out all day, and you know twenty percent of the sun is getting through that overcast, you can start adding up and figure out that you can still get sunburn on those days. There's also reflection from the surf and from the sand that can affect you to some extent. None of these things I'm talking about are perfect, but in an imperfect world, we'll accept a lot of protection and not worry that it's not perfect. Absolutely. All right. I think we've got a caller in Meridian. We're going to go over and talk to Thad. Good morning. Good morning. How can we uh, help you? Go ahead. Okay. uh, A a pimple came up on my leg, a little small pimple, and I uh, tried to burst it. I burst it, and and over a month, month and a half or two months, it has uh, turned dark and about the size of a penny, and it's kind of lumpy. It's not smooth. It's about the size of a penny, and it's lumpy. And if there's a reason for me to be concerned about that. Excellent question. What do you think, guys? So anytime that we have inflammation in the skin, when the inflammation has gone away, it leaves a dark spot. And it does that more so in darker-skinned individuals. We call it, there's a big fancy word, post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. But basically, it just means a dark spot that is left after some type of inflammation. You can see it with acne on the face. You can see it with, you know, different types of injuries so it sounds like what he had was some type of boil or pimple on his leg um, that popped and he has the darkness that's remaining the darkness will fade over time it takes from months to years to fade Um, but since he knows that there was something there before um, 
that caused that dark spot, then I would not think that it would be something to necessarily be worried about. I agree. That was my initial thought. And something else that will happen in some folks is you'll have the, a post-inflammatory hypopigmentation where the area will turn lighter in color. So those are kind of two variants on that. Did that help, Thad? Yeah, and the patient also said there was a lump remaining. Mm -hmm. So there can be scarring caused by the boil or deep pimple, and that scarring can take a while to flatten out or even make a fibroma, which is sort of a permanent scar at the site. Ultimately, if this doesn't keep getting better and better to your satisfaction, see a dermatologist or your primary care provider, and they'll look at it and figure this out. If, if they needed to, could even do a biopsy, but most times that would not be necessary. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that call. And I think we've got another caller as well in Bethel Springs, Tennessee. We're going to talk with Mark. Hello, Mark. Hey there. How can we help you today? Uh, well, I heard there was two kinds of UV radiation and that uh, sunscreen only protects us from one of them. Is there any way to get protection from both? That's an excellent question. Dr. Ivy? That is a great question. So there are two different types. Well, really, there's three different types of UV radiation. There's UVA, UVB, and UVC. We don't really ever hear about UVC or really worry about it too much because it is pretty much all filtered by the ozone layer. So the ones that we're worried about are UVA and UVB. UVA is what causes wrinkles, aging, brown spots. UVB is what is thought to cause skin cancer. So there actually are, and we recommend to all of our patients when we're recommending sunscreen, that it's SPF 30 or higher, and we recommend a broad-spectrum sunscreen, which means that it covers UVA and UVB rays. So if you're, getting, if you're wearing a sunscreen that says broad-spectrum on it, then that will cover both of the types of UV rays that cause the skin cancer and the wrinkles and um, age spots and things like that. All righty. Thank you. Excellent. You're welcome. Thank you for that call. As well as doing those other things that Dr. Brodell mentioned that are kind of that extra layer of protection, wearing that, that broad brimmed hat and those types of things. All right. One other got... thing I wanted oh, to ahead. say about sunscreen is sure. that um, some patients will come into the office and say they just don't like sunscreen. And there are a number of rather specific complaints. One of them is stinging and burning in the eyes. And if you're somebody that has that, that's usually caused by chemical sunscreens. And for those people, you can get sunscreens that contain uh, micronized titanium dioxide or zinc oxide, something like, for instance, Neutrogena for sensitive skin number 30. And that solves the problem pretty much of stinging and burning. But then other patients say they don't like sunscreens because they get a little white residue and they're hard to rub in. That's the kind of thing that happens with the physical sunscreens I just mentioned with micronized titanium dioxide or micronized zinc oxide. I personally like that kind of sunscreen. It's a little more substantive. It doesn't sweat off as easily. But if you don't like that white residue, then you may like the chemical sunscreens better. So I say try lots of sunscreens that have SPF 30 or better, preferably they say broad spectrum 
or UVA, UVA, UVB blocker. And if you find that and you like it, that's the one I want you to use. Fantastic. That's excellent tips there. All right. We've got one final caller on right now, um, Lois and Quitman. Hello, Lois. Hello. Yes, I have had this itching, and I've tried everything, and it won't quit. Okay. Where Where are you itching? Where ain't I itching? Oh, so it's all it's all over. Okay. Yeah, Is there a rash Lord. there too? Some spots. There will actually no. Yes and no, because I dug spots when I itch so much. Okay. All right. All right. What do you think, guys? So, Itching or pruritus is um, kind of, it, it's something that we see very commonly um, and we can see it associated, most often we see it associated with rashes, but there can also be internal causes of itching. So you don't have a rash or any, you know, signs of anything wrong with the skin, but you have itching all over you. There's yeah. a, you know, a laundry list of different reasons that you could have itching, different internal internal causes. Um, one thing that's a simple thing to try is that dry skin is itchy skin. So the first thing that you could do is just get a really good thick moisturizer. Um, one that we really like is called CeraVe. Um, there's actually a CeraVe anti-itch. Um, lotion or cream that you could try and if you use that you know two to three times a day every day for a few weeks um, you can bet that your skin isn't dry anymore so if you're still itching then um, you know it could be another another problem um, yeah, if you're still having the itching god use two big bottles of lotion and one of them was vaseline intensive care and it lasts for about two minutes and i go back itching again Okay. Well, then it sounds like you're pretty well moisturized. I would, you know, like I said, there are tons of different reasons, internal causes of itching, and that may be something that you need to discuss with either your primary care doctor or a dermatologist. Um, sometimes we end up having to do different lab tests and things like that to make sure that there's nothing going on internally that could be causing the itching if there's not a rash associated with it. And I might add, if there's a rash, this could be eczema. That means irritated skin. It could be scabies, which is something that's infectious. Psoriasis is a particular condition. About 60% of people with psoriasis itch. And then there's, a, again, a large number of causes. So you should see either your primary care doctor or a dermatologist, somebody that can make a diagnosis based on the symptom of itching, the appearance of the skin, and other factors like whether or not you're a diabetic or you have thyroid disease or kidney disease or liver disease or a variety of other things. This is not an easy thing for people to take care of at home if it's not getting better with the moisturizer that you've already tried. Absolutely. I could not agree with both of you more that this was going to require a little bit more um, evaluation to determine what the correct treatment plan is going to be. So at the risk of sounding like a broken record, it's time to see a, a primary care provider or dermatologist that is able to give you a diagnosis and then a treatment plan. 
I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me today, I have Dr. Robert Brodell and Dr. Jordy Ivey with UMMC Dermatology. And we've been talking about skin cancer today as well as just general dermatology stuff. If you uh, want to get online with us and chat, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 all right, before the break, we um, had answered some questions and talked about kind of prevention of, of skin cancer. Let's talk about some of the warning signs that folks may, may see. As someone that's been in primary care um, for a while, I have lots of folks who come in and say, hey, can you look at this? And is this skin cancer? What are things that people need to be on the, the lookout for that should prompt them to go in either to their primary care provider or to a dermatologist? So with basal cell carcinoma, it most likely starts as the sore that won't heal. So if you have on your face or other sun-exposed area a spot that you're not picking at and the darn thing just won't heal, it intermittently bleeds, sometimes it has a little pearly raised edge. That would be basal cell skin cancer. Squamous cell skin cancer is a crusty, warty growth that appears and continues to enlarge. That can be painful. Sometimes it's not so painful, but it often both of those things are a difference, something different than what the person is expecting to see from their normal skin. For melanoma, we say there are A, B, C, D, E's. A is asymmetry. One side of the pigmented lesion is different than the other side. B is irregular border or notching of the border. The, the tumor grows like a pseudopod of an amoeba growing out of the lesion. And so you have these notches. The C is different colors in the same lesion. It can be tan, black, brown. Sometimes we say with sort of a patriotic spirit, red, white, and blue. The red <laughs> is inflammation from your body attacking the melanoma. The white is regression, where the body is succeeding and making a scar. And the blue is deeper pigment, 
where the body is not succeeding in fighting it very well. The D is large diameter, bigger than a pencil eraser. And the E for early melanoma is most important. E means evolution or changing. So if you have a mole that's rapidly changing in days or weeks, we're concerned about that. So that's a quick overview. Yeah, and I think that's great. And one thing that is also a good thing to do is make sure when you go in for your annual exam that your provider is doing a skin check, you know, looking, you know, at places that you don't get, you don't see that often. You know, I'm always making sure to look at my patient's back and, you know, backs of their legs and things that they might not be able to easily see themselves, especially if they don't have someone at home that's able to do a skin check. So I send my parents once a year um, to the dermatologist, actually, to have a, a full body skin check uh, just to make sure that there's nothing nothing going on there. Is that something another that you guys recommend? Find, another thing that we find helpful is something called the ugly duckling sign. So maybe if a mole isn't necessarily growing rapidly or have a lot of different colors or, you know, the typical ABCDEs that we think of, but, you know, some people just have a lot of moles and typically most of their moles will look pretty similar. If there's one that just looks different than the rest of them, then that's typically, you know, if you were being seen a dermatologist, typically that's something that we'll biopsy or at least look at closer using our dermatoscope, which is a little magnifying tool that we have. Um, and yeah, that's just something else that is helpful with those, especially with those pigmented lesions. Yeah. And that actually brings me to my next question, which is, so if you, if you think you have something going on and you go to a dermatologist, what, what do you expect to happen? You know, what are some things that you should kind of expect at the dermatologist office? And you mentioned some of those, you mentioned the, the dermatoscope and the biopsy. But tell us a little bit more about what biopsy means, per se. Yeah, the most important thing is that surgery in 2020 is not exactly the same as what it was during the Civil War. We have <laughs> anesthetics. That's good. <laughs> um, there's a little pinch. We use a needle the size of a human hair to inject some Novocaine into the area. Um, there are lots of little tricks and things we do that make it so that it would be a very rare patient that is sorry they had their lesion checked. And yet it is very common for people to not want to go to the doctor because they're afraid of what's going to happen in the office. Mm -hmm. So I want to dissuade people from that. If you have something that may be skin cancer, we want to see it early when you first worry about it and not later when it's the size of a grapefruit. And I know there are people in the audience that can't imagine why somebody would wait like that, but literally we see people that have to wear a hat because they've got a moist, eroded, oozing grapefruit-sized lesion on their scalp. And when you ask, why didn't you come earlier? They said, well, they were afraid they might find out they had skin cancer. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. really make much sense to me. Yeah. You know, I see that a lot, not from a, a skin cancer perspective, but with, with other things. People delay treatment because they're scared. Uh, and, you know, it's a, a viable emotion that, that they have. But just like you said, 
we've come a long way in healthcare and I have had a skin biopsy and I am not one that loves needles and those types of things. Um, and it really was, uh, not, not painful. It was, it was very, I'm not gonna say pleasant cause that's the wrong word, but it was a, a fine visit that we had. And, you know, then I had peace of mind about that particular, um, area that was biopsied and actually just went ahead and removed, um, at the time of the biopsy there. So, and another thing is that just, you know, coming into the dermatologist, if you have a spot that you're concerned about, we, it may not even need a biopsy. You know, when we have these dermatoscopes or the little, our kind of magnifying tools, we may, you know, look at it under that and see features that make us think, oh, this is completely benign and be able to reassure you and say, this is not skin cancer. There's nothing to worry about. So, you know, there's, Absolutely. We do not always have to do a biopsy, and it's a great day when we can just tell someone that looks completely benign and nothing to worry about, and then you have peace of mind as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's a great point to bring up, that even if your primary care provider sends you to dermatology, again, it doesn't mean that, that you're going to have to have that biopsy or anything like that. You guys are specially trained for that. You've got the dermatoscope that you talked about. So if it may be concerning to me and my naked eye, but when it gets sent to you guys, you may say, it, you know, it's fine. It's, it's, not, it's not anything for us to worry about. So, you know, I would just encourage people to just seek evaluation as much as they can and get things, you know, things looked at and taken care of. Um, I, think I might go add ahead. that go ahead. Go, there are probably some people out there that say, but I can't get an appointment with mm. the dermatologist. And I want to uh, let everyone know that, uh, it's a problem. We have half the number of dermatologists per capita in Mississippi as the average state. And the average state doesn't have enough dermatologists. So it's a problem. But if you say on the phone with our schedulers at UMMC or any dermatologist that you have a mole that's changing or you're worried about skin cancer, we do our very best to educate our schedulers to get those people a little bit ahead of the line compared to somebody that may have something that's pretty clearly cosmetic. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, and I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell. 
Joining me today, I have Dr. Robert Brodell and Dr. Jordi Ivey with UMMC Dermatology, and we've been answering your skin questions today with a heavy focus on skin cancer. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring We do have a couple callers on the line, so we're going to go straight over to those and try and get as many as we can. We're going to start with Barbara in Boonville. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning. How can we help uh, you? Uh, well, I'm taking methotrexate for rheumatoid arthritis. And mm-hmm. uh, I have this uh, red rash comes up on my arm. seems like it starts two or three days, like when I take it on Saturday. And uh, it come and go, and sometimes it just lasts a long time. And I'm wondering, it says for me to go in and out of the sun on the uh, you know, my papers that comes with medicine. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like low skin creeps, but sometimes it's spots like maybe uh, big as a uh, maybe a third as big as my little fingernail, or maybe. Mm-hmm. And it aches a little Could bit. Could I ask, are you having up. sores in your mouth? Uh, no. Okay. No, I don't. Um, does it seem like an exaggerated sunburn? No, no, no. Some, yeah, so the, the people that, you know, if, you, if your level of methotrexate is too high and you're getting a rash from that, you would usually have sores in the mouth. If it is photosensitivity, meaning that methotrexate makes you more sensitive to sunburn, I think you would still recognize it as sunburn. So I'm not sure it's related to your um, your underlying rheumatoid arthritis or not. It could just be a different kind of rash. Um, Dr. Ivy, can you think of anything? I mean, it certainly could be just some type of, you know, eczematous dermatitis, eczema, um, allergic contact dermatitis. You could be allergic to something that you're coming in contact with. Um, so, like Dr. Brodell said, it may not necessarily be related to the methotrexate, especially if it's something that you've been on for a while. Um, but there could certainly be other rashes, you know, that you get for whatever other reason. So, it needs to be checked out, right? Yep. Yeah. If it keeps lasting, I wouldn't uh, – I'd get it checked out and uh, find out what's going on there. Certainly not normal for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can start with – um, you know, your primary care provider or your rheumatologist to have them take a look. Exactly. Well, it mostly is where the sun hits my skin. It's mostly like on my hands and up to my elbows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little on my face every once in a while, but I wear a hat when I go in the sun, and it's a little yeah. on my legs, you know, down there, like when I'm wearing uh, something comes about halfway between my knee and my mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Get it you know, checked out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. You know, knowing that it's only kind of on exposed skin, you know, makes me think it might be a little bit more related to the sun exposure with your medicine, but we, we need to get it checked out. So either your primary care provider or your rheumatologist um, is a, a great place to start, and then they can loop in dermatology if need be. All right, we're going to continue on the phone lines and go to Flowood and talk with Vernon. Good morning, Vernon. Good morning. How can we help you? Well, I've got a spot on my shoulder that I've had maybe 10 years that's about the size of a dime that 
kind of horseshoe shape, and it eventually just scabbed over, and beside it, now another spot, just a quarter inch from it, and it'll it'll appear, and it'll itch, and it'll go away after a week, and it'll come back again in a week, and this has been going on for several years, but it's the only one that I see. Okay. I think... Um, you know, it's hard to say for sure without seeing it, but it sounds kind of like what we were talking earlier about the sore that won't heal, um, like with basal mm-hmm. cell carcinoma. Um, there are certainly other things that it could be, but if it is something that's been going on for 10 years and it's kind of a recurrent problem, um, then that would definitely be something that I would probably get checked out. Yeah, I had just turned on right at the end of that conversation, so I didn't get to hear it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I agree with that as well. I might mention that the the University of Mississippi Medical Center, in an effort to serve the needs of the people of Mississippi, at 3 o'clock today is having the ribbon cutting for the Skin Cancer Center, which is in Ridgeland underneath the Face and Skin Center. And so we're opening up more appointments for people, just like that gentleman that has a an ugly duckling lesion that won't heal so that we can get people in and get them taken care of. That's fantastic. Right. And how would they right. how do they schedule there, Dr. Brodell? Um, that's a very good question. Um, <laughs> uh, the, you, the, you know, if you uh, Google the University of Mississippi Medical Center, there's a central scheduling for dermatology. And you just mentioned the nature of the problem. And they're really good at uh, figuring out how to schedule, which is not something that's in my usual uh, area of expertise. Oh, that's great. It's a great way um, to, to, to do that. And I'll post out on my Facebook today as well the, um, the contact information for uh, UMMC and, and get, get that done there. All right. We're going to get in um, another caller in Mobile, Alabama. We're going to talk with Priscilla. Hello, Priscilla. Good morning. How can we help you today? Um, I really had more of a comment. Um, I'm a okay. retired operating room nurse, and I frankly had never heard of this type of skin cancer. It's um, a lymphoma, and the type I have is um, quite rare, but I had the first lesion for months, and it wasn't until the lymph nodes that drained that area well, and I went to my primary care that I, you know, got on the track, but mm-hmm. um, it didn't look anything like a melanoma, and um, of course, it was in an area on the back of my leg that doesn't get a lot of sun, so just something to throw out there as another um, possibility with skin cancer. Absolutely. 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 And- there are a number of kinds of skin cancer we didn't mention because they're more rare, But, you know, B-cell lymphoma can occur on the legs, and that might be what you have. There's also Um, cutaneous T-cell lymphoma or mycosis fungoides. Um, So at UMMC, we have Dr. Jackson, Jeremy Jackson, who's our lymphoma expert, and he sees a whole day of clinic once a month of, you know, 30, 40 patients that have skin lymphoma. So it's rare in a state, but not rare in a practice that specializes in this. 
Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app.